0: All right, praise the Lord. Just wanna thank God for each and every one that's joining with us online as we are continuing on, I think uh, it's part eight of our journey into uh, Back to the Future Revelation on End Time Events. Um, We're so excited about this series. Uh, I, I sense some energy and excitement amongst those that are here as we talk about it, just because it gives us clarity around the times in which we live, so that the things that will come on the earth will not catch God's people unaware. We're not supposed to be people that um, are drunk or sleep or or just caught up with the world system, but we're supposed to be people who, because we have spent time in the word system, are prepared for the things that will happen in our day. So I'm praying that this is continues to be a blessing to you in that regard, all right? So let's just dig in, and then we'll come back at the end, all right? So uh, we've given you the objectives on this one. We said, number one, is to provide perspective into God's prophetic scriptures, to illuminate in time, in time in time events that is consistent with all other texts of Holy Scripture, full of hope, faith, and love. Three, to acknowledge that God is both full of grace and mercy and also judgment and vengeance, that they are warming scriptures, but also warning scriptures. Four, to highlight patterns, principles, and personality profiles that appear repetitively in scripture enabling us to look backward, but see forward. Five, to develop a prophetic viewpoint that informs our view on global events, but is not unduly influenced such that we can com- try to conform biblical prophecy to current events resulting in speculation, not spiritual expectations. Six to motivate you to be about your father's business through an understanding of God's prophetic time clock. The most exciting part of the game is in the final seconds. And then finally, to give you comfort, confidence and hope that God has a plan for your deliverance as he ushers in a new age. All right, and um, we've given you these eight perspectives, eight critical perspectives on end time events, and I think we're probably on number six or seven. I'll I'll see when I get down to that list. So pull up our list of of those um, eight perspectives. Number one, we said is the preeminence principle: Jesus is the subject. So if you come out of your end time events saying anything else as more important, then you missed it. Two, all the scriptures form a single book written by a heavenly author. It is 66 connected books, not 65 plus one appendix we aren't supposed to read or understand. Then we said on number three, prophetic scriptures give us a sense of time, timing and the times so that we can be in tune with the will of God in our generation, not drunk and disorderly like the world. Number four, we said, There is a principle of prophetic pattern repetition that occurs in Scripture. Often biblical scholars find one instance of prophetic fulfillment and lock onto it as if it was the only one. Then number five, we said there is a pattern of prophetic types and shadows that foreshadowed the first coming of Christ. This is also true for the second coming. All right. Then we said, number six, going through my notes, said, so David, you got a lot of information down here, yeah, you do, looking at my own notes, six, six is where we are, hallelujah, I could have looked up at the screen, couldn't I, praise the Lord, six says, Satan has always wanted to assume the place of God, whether in heaven and on earth throughout history, this will not Change. All right. So, um, and we'll go through seven and eight in a future time, but I'm going to camp here for a second. Um, I do want to spend time on it, but I took the time it took to build us up to this because I never want um, us to think like Satan is God's equal just on the negative side. It's not like that, right? And so, how you teach this stuff matters because there are people who believe like, You know, God's got to beam us up because we're going to just barely hang on to the very end when the intention is that we go out with such dominance, we go out with such force that we rise in the last hour with great authority and power, and that that's God's intention. Now, I gave you a slide about these five types of Christ, five types of the church, and then five types of the Antichrist, and then that's what we want um, to deal with today. So go, we said five types of Christ that he's the last Adam. He's our priest after the order of Melchizedek. He's the seed of Abraham. He's a prophet like Moses. He is the king that sits on the throne of David. So each one of those is important. And, uh, we, we spent time walking through those things so that we can look in the past and see some things about who Jesus is in our present and in our future. Amen. Then now let's look at the ones that deal with the church. All right, so if Adam is a type of Christ, then Eve is a type of the Church. Then, we say that Melchizedek is a type of Christ then Abraham is a type of the Church. If Abraham is a type of Christ then Sarah is a type of the Church. Moses is a type of Christ and the children of Israel are a type of the Church. And if David is the type of Christ then the nation of Israel is a type of the Church, all right? Now, let's deal with the antichrist ones, all right? If Adam then is a type of Christ, then the serpent is a type of the Antichrist. See how the serpent tried to to deceive Eve? The Apostle Paul actually made reference to the fact that like the serpent deceived Eve, he didn't want us to be deceived and be taken away from Christ. Okay, so that's a really important one. So we can always see where one of the things that the Antichrist does is try to interrupt or intervene the relationship with the church, the body of Christ, and Christ, right? So we saw that with Adam and Eve. If Melchizedek is a type of Christ and the king of Sodom is a type of the Antichrist, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are types of Christ, then Abimelech, Pharaoh, because remember, Abimelech and Pharaoh both try to um, take – Sarah and make Sarah their wives, right? Snatching the wife of the one who is Christ and trying to take her and make her theirs. So that tells us something about the Antichrist in our day. Antichrist spirit will always try to take what belongs to Christ and make it his, all right? Um, The scripture says that Isaac was a type of Christ, and Ishmael persecuted him. Jacob was a type of Christ, and Esau persecuted him. Now, if Moses is a type of Christ, then Pharaoh is a type of the Antichrist. Pharaoh is the one who enslaved the children of Israel. All right? Now, if David is a type of Christ because David sits on the the throne in Jerusalem, just like Jesus sits on the throne of New Jerusalem, Nebuchadnezzar sits on the throne of Babylon like the Antichrist sits on the throne of mystery Babylon. That's the one we're going to deal with today. We spent. Remember how we walked through in detail, remember how we walked through the fact that um, Here's all of these things about Jerusalem that are important. And because those things about Jerusalem are important, here's the things that we can see about the new Jerusalem, right? All right. Well, let's, let's um, we're going to take some time today to do that same kind of discussion around Babylon so that we can understand mystery Babylon. All right, let's look at 2 Kings chapter 20, and then we're going to read verses 12 through 19. Where does this Babylon, if we're going to go back to the future, where does this term Babylon come from and why is it so important? All right, 2 Kings chapter 20, and we're going to read verse 12 down verse 19. And at that time, okay, at that time, stop for a second. So let me, let me give you, um, since I'm jumping into the specific scriptures, at this time, David is long dead and off the scene. But remember, David has to go all the way down, according to the prophecy made on him, until Jesus Christ sits on his throne. So, David had Solomon, right, and it kept going, and then there was this king. Some of those kings that David had on his throne after he passed were good kings. Some of them were evil kings, right, In Solomon's um, son's reign, the the kingdom had split, so there was the ten tribes and then the two tribes, but David was still ruling those. His seed was still ruling those. One of those was a good king named Hezekiah. Hezekiah was not a bad dude, right? Hezekiah had had some difficult times. Um, he had fought for God. He had tried to live right, tried to pull, get idolatry out of the children of Israel. And, um, but he got sick, right? And then when he got sick, Isaiah said, you about to die. Now, that's not what you want. The prophet, you want the prophet to say, when you get sick, you're going to get healed. But Isaiah said, you're going to die. And then he reminded the Lord of all the good he had done. And then God said, okay, I'm going to turn around and heal you. Gave him a fig plant or something and put it on the boil. And it, his situation turned around. When he turned around, the Babylonians who had heard he had been sick sent some messengers, which was royal protocol, to tell them about that, All right, So that's where we pick up. And it says, at that time, Baradak Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah was attentive to them and showed them all the house of his treasures, the silver and the gold, the spices and precious ointment and all his armory, all that was found among his treasures there was nothing in his house or in all dominion that hezekiah did not show them all right then isaiah the prophet went to king hezekiah and said to him what did these men say and from where did they come to you and hezekiah said they came from a far country from babylon and he said what have they seen in your house so hezekiah answered They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated unto this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs. In the palace of the king of Babylon, eunuchs, meaning they would castrate them and make them servants so that they couldn't carry on a foreign, uh, become a king and carry on the kingly line. All right. Um, That was verse 18. Verse 19 says, so Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word of the Lord, which you have spoken is good. For he said, will there not be peace and truth? At least in my days, he said, hey. Um, I made a mistake, but it's not going to hurt me. It's going to hurt my children. Right? That's what he said, didn't he? It's going to at least be good in my days. That <laughs> no matter what happened to them, I'm good. All right? Now, notice what Isaiah said is going to be a strategy of Babylon, because that's also a strategy of mystery Babylon to take those things that was in God's house and take it into Babylon. To take things that was dedicated, people that were dedicated to God, people that should be royal or priests, people that should be established in kingdom authority, those people will now be um, will now go and um, become servants and slaves, even though they should be kings. What it says, now go from this into Daniel chapter one. Now, Daniel, Hezekiah, he said, of your own seed would serve the king of Babylon. Daniel was the one who served the king. And the Bible says he was among the royal seed. Daniel and the three Hebrew boys was a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy right here. And it wasn't a good prophecy either, was it? Okay, but he clearly fulfilled it. Let's look at Daniel chapter 1. Not going to read it all, but I'm just going to read down verses 1 through 6 here. And it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Aspenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. So I, my my statement is if um, if Isaiah prophesied directly to Hezekiah that some of his seed would serve the king, then Daniel and those three must have been that seed, because they were the ones who closely fulfilled it. There was more than them, there was more than those four, but they were the one who directly served the king. What does that mean? That meant that if things had gone right, Daniel could have been, he could have been royalty to sit on the throne of Israel. But here he is now a slave. He's been castrated. Now he's a slave. All right. Um, Verse three, some of the nobles. Let me find out where it was. Verse four, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand who had the ability to serve in the king's palace. Now this last part is really important. Whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. All right. God, the enemy, you can put it on me for I'll go down to verse five and six in a second, but just give me a second. The enemy is always looking to take the best that God has and make them serve him and his system. Okay. Um, that's why it bugs me when. You know, I'm I'm personally not super excited when people say, you know, this singer was a great singer in the church, and then they went out and became a superstar in the world. For me, that that sounds like what belongs in Jerusalem going down to Babylon. All right. And so we always have to be interested. Hey, so-and-so, his parents were pastors and in a church, and, and now they're doing this in the world. Now, listen, I have a secular job, and the business world, as any world, is a Babylonian environment, okay? But I also want to make sure that I don't do something that sells my soul to the system, because some people will sell their soul to a system so that they can prosper within it. All right. That's that's the thing. That's that's what that's why Daniel, it's significant when Daniel purposed in his heart that even though I'm in the world system, I'm not gonna let the world system be in me. All right. So every day I live in a tension. Right? What happened? I was supposed to go to India when my equipment got, um, that I sent over there to replicate my lab. That's the same lab that I do here. But when they sent that system over there, they they had a worship service to dedicate equipment on the job. And they had incense and prayers and everything. Okay? So here's the kind of things that we you have to deal with. Do you, you understand what I'm saying? Now, praise God, I sent somebody, and he did the prayer like they was going to do, because I don't know. I'm like, Lord, I might have to insult them. And they might have been insulted, because I wouldn't do it. You understand what I mean? We always have to, we're in that tension to learn the tongue the tongue. The language and the literature of the Chaldeans. Verse 5, and the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank. Now, think about being drunk on the Babylonian system. Don't just take it that they drunk wine. Think about it in terms of being intoxicated with the world. All right? Delicacies and the wine which they drink. And three years of training for them so that at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. Now from now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He changed their names just like they changed slave names here. They changed their names there. All right? Now, look at Psalm 137. We'll read verses 1 through 9. Psalm 137. Think about the difference between um, Jerusalem and Babylon. Jerusalem was a a city-state, a city that, it was a capital city of a country. So Babylon was a city, but it was also a country too, right? Um, Now, look look at Psalm 137, 1 through 9, and it says, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. Hear the contradiction. Babylon's on one side, but somehow the enemy has taken us out from Zion, and now we're in Babylon. We hung up our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For those who carried us away captive asked of us a song, and those who plundered of us requested mercy, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joys, remember, O Lord, against the sons of Edom. Edom is Esau. Remember, Esau is also type of the Antichrist, right? The day of Jerusalem who said, raise it. Raise it means to actually cut it all the way down. R-A-Z-E is not R-A-I-S-E. Raise it means tear it down. So tear it, tear it down to its very foundation. O daughter of Babylon, who are to be destroyed, happy the one who repays you as you have served us. Happy the one who takes and dashes your little ones against the rock. Do we... There is clearly here a natural warfare which for us becomes a spiritual warfare between Babylon and Jerusalem, right? That's what this is describing. By the rivers of Babylon, I'm remembering Zion and the warfare that's between the two, all right? Now let's look at Jeremiah 27 and 14, um, I think I grabbed the wrong verse there. Uh pull up pull up verse 16. It might be verse 16. Let me see it. There's something that says, if there are really prophets among you let us intercede, so let us make intercession, so none of our, no more of our vessels go down to Babylon. 19, 18. Now look at this. This to me is a, is a, is a scripture of intercession. And it says, but if they are prophets, and if the word of the Lord is with them, Let them now make intercession to the Lord of hosts that the vessels which are left in the house of God and in the house of the king of Judah and at Jerusalem do not go to Babylon. That's what I pray over our children. That's what I pray. Lord, I know our children can be like prodigals and go down to a foreign land and you bring them back. But if I got a real intercessory gift, let me pray so that no more of our children leave the house of God and go down and be enslaved in Babylon. Now, praise God, if you got some, some somebody in your family that's wilding out, pray them back in in Jesus' name. But if there's any prophets among us, and if we really have a gift of intercession, and if we really know how to pray and intercede, and if the Lord, the Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of armies, then let us pray that God send angels to help us to pray for our kids that they don't get turned out when they go to these Babylonian colleges and universities. Let us pray. Does that make sense? Because we have to understand. Now, I'm I'm, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I cannot say that if I believe in the new Jerusalem, then I don't have the right to not believe in mystery Babylon because the same book exposed me to both of them. If I tell you and we can shout and dance about 12 gates in the east and we're going to go sweeping through the city, then I can't say that this other city system doesn't exist, right? So I need to be praying because Satan has a spiritual system that's designed to wrap people in. Scripture says, remember Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights? Y'all know I'm in the Bible, right? And the Scripture says that the devil, Satan, took Jesus. Is that what your Bible say? And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory thereof at a moment in time. That's a spiritual vision because the earth is round. You can't see the whole thing in the natural. And said, I can give it to you if you worship me because it's mine and I can give it to who I want to give it to. And if it wasn't real, it wouldn't have been a temptation. It's not a temptation if it ain't real. So clearly there is, you know, when you hear stars say, you know, I sold my soul to the devil so that I can hit stardom, that's a real deal. We can't say that's not real. We sell our soul to Jesus so we can go to heaven. (laughs) Right? Okay, so then I can't say that one's true and then the other one's, there's nothing to it, all right? Now, let's look at some of the aspects of this system from Babylon, just like we looked at aspects of the new Jerusalem by looking at Jerusalem. Let's, think, let's look at some of the things that we learn about it so that when we see these things in the book of Revelation, we'll say, no, no, we saw that. We understand that that's part of it because it was part of the original. All right, look at Daniel chapter 3. This is the three Hebrew boys when they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Daniel 3 and 1, we're going to go all down through verse 6. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and his width was 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word together together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that king that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, to you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony, with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the golden image that the King Nebuchadnezzar has set up, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Okay. So if I look at this and I see that there is an image that has to be worshipped under threat of death, then does it make sense? Or can I foresee that in the end times that there is an antichrist and a beast that would set up an image that you would also have to worship under threat of death. Do you see it? Because Nebuchadnezzar is a type of that antichrist. All right. So nobody, people who, who read revelation and say, well, it don't mean that would all say that this really happened. So I can't say that that happens and the other one can't happen. Does that make sense? All right. Now we're going to go over into chapter four. Why am I spending time going through these different chapters from Revelation? Because this, see, Daniel likely had the, of the Old Testament prophets, I think scripture would bear out that Daniel had the greatest insight into the Antichrist because he was looking in the type of the antichrist face every day. Okay? So he understood what it was like, because he's in the middle of the system. He's serving the guy. So God allowed him to see things and understand things that other people didn't understand, but nobody got as close as he did, because he was the one who directly served him. Now, um, I'm going to re- go to chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 10 through seven, 17 of Daniel, but let me set it up before we, we show it. Nebuchadnezzar um, has a dream, and in his dream he sees this great tree. The tree itself is a description. It's a prophetic picture of him. It's not a tree, it's him. But the tree itself is a picture of him. Just like, um, you know, when we start talking about the Antichrist, we start talking about some, it'll talk about some different animal features. Well, when I say Jesus is the Lamb of God, you don't expect him to come in here going, ba bah. When I call him the Lion of Judah, you're not expecting him to come in here and try to eat you up. But those images are pictures of certain aspects of his personality and calling, right? So when I see animal like or creatures, even the Bible says, You shall be fishers of men. That means some people look like fish. You are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So when I see these animal characteristics in visions and dreams and in profiles, people start to look like it's a an animal animal not a person. I'm saying don't do that, okay? Just want to make sure that that was clear cuz man, I don't understand what all this means. Hold it, hold it, hold it. There's there's you you understand Jesus when I say he's the rock and the chief cornerstone, you don't expect that him to come up here. <laughs> One of the fantastic four was made of rocks. I can't remember who, what his name was but you don't expect Jesus to come in looking like that dude right <laughs> right so um but but these are pictures so he's having this vision now look at verse 10 and he's explaining this vision to Daniel. these were the visions of my head while I while on my bed this is Nebuchadnezzar speaking to Daniel. I was looking, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens, and it could not be seen to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, Coming down from heaven, he cried aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and cut it, cut its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and roots in the earth bound with the band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast and let seven times or seven years pass over him. He's supposed to have a heart of a beast for seven years. The decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the words of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. All right, now let me talk to you about this one for a second. He has this vision, and then Daniel tells him to repent. So, what was the vision? Daniel interprets it and says, you are this great tree. God has given you a great kingdom, but don't be so proud to know that it's not you doing it, it's God that gave it to you. And he got proud, and, the, and then the vision happened, and the sentence happened. And for seven years, he was separated from his throne, and he walked around like a beast, like a madman. His hair grew long, his fingernails grew like claws. I'm just giving you the short version of Daniel chapter 4. Go back and read the end of it. At the end of seven years, he was brought back to his throne and became the king again, and he worshiped God and said, God did this, right? Okay, now, that was the back picture. When we go forward, we will see that there is again a seven-year time frame This same one will be called a beast. This time he won't be a beast separated from his throne. He will rule as a beast on his throne. Okay? But all of these pictures are being shown to us in the past that give us an insight into the future. All right? Now let me give you um, Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 6 through 10. Um, But let me just... Talk this. This is this is when um it's not Nebuchadnezzar now. Nebuchadnezzar is off the scene, but Daniel's still serving. But these are successor kingdoms to to um, Nebuchadnezzar, just like Hezekiah was a successor kingdom to David. All right. But in this one, it says if you pray to any other God besides me, you're going to be thrown in the lion's den. So now they're trying to control the worship, just like, right? What Do you see the spirit of antichrist? They want to control the worship. That's why you got to be careful, you know, in our age of tolerance that everybody's tolerant for everything else but the true church. Now, they don't mind you praying, but you start using the name of Jesus, people are going to get upset with you. That shows you that whatever that is that gets upset when you use the name of Jesus, by definition, is anti-Christ. Okay? Daniel 6, we're going to read verse 6 through 10. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said, thus said to him, And said thus to him, King Darius live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, the satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and make a firm decree. They lying because all of them wasn't in on it because Daniel wasn't. That whoever petitions any God or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, king, establish the decree and sign The writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. For when Daniel knew, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, toward Jerusalem, toward Jerusalem, Babylon, toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since the early days. Daniel was like, bump you. I'm still going to do what I'm called to do. Hallelujah. All right. Now we know what happened. He got thrown in the den and it didn't work. And God gave some supernatural deliverance. And the people that did that to him, it came to them. Now, so we've seen some different pictures of Nebuchadnezzar and um Babylon. Now let's start looking at mystery Babylon and then the Antichrist and so on. So let's look at it, right? Um, there's a lot here in Revelation seventeen, but but now that you have the backdrop, the picture should be clear, okay? And it says, Revelation 17, we're going to read verses 1 through 18, Revelation 17, actually the whole chapter, but I'm going to just talk you through different pieces of it as we go, okay? And it says, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. Stop for a second. The Christ has a bride clothed in white raiment. The Antichrist has a whore. That makes sense, don't it? That seems quite logical, doesn't it? Okay. Now look at verse 2. With whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Nebuchadnezzar tried to give them wine to drink. All right? So there is a thing where you can be intoxicated with the world. Whatever that means, we need to find out what that is so that we're not, okay? There clearly is a way to be intoxicated with the world system, not just drunk because somebody, you know, got a 40 ounce or went to the bar. He's talking about being drunk with the world and committing fornication with the world. Now, what did James say? If you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. And he said adulterers and adulteresses. So there is a way beyond me going to a strip club and beyond me going down on a certain street and finding a prostitute. He's talking about being intimate with the world system. Right? Now, Pastor David, why are you spending time on this? Because we need to figure out how to do that and make sure we don't. We want to be a bride, not a whore. Okay? Verse 3, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. Stop, 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 stop. Okay. I got to take time to walk you through all of these things, right? When it talked about seeing the bride, the lamb's wife, it talked about Mount Zion and a city. This one says that the whore lives in a spiritual wilderness. One has order, the other disorder. You get that? These are important points. I like to tell people that the spirit realm has topography, topography, topography. Pastor David, you always use these big words. Why can't you just get all simple? I explain it. Don't worry. You're going to know what I have to say. When you were in social studies, they would show maps and maps some certain maps would have like the mountains and the ranges and the valleys and they would they would they were bumped up and bumped down right it wasn't just a flat map some of your globes were flat and round other globes had the bumps of the rocky mountains and the himalayas built right on the map when it has all of the bumps of the land and the valleys and the rivers and the oceans, that that map is showing you topography. This, the scripture tells us that the spirit realm has high points and low points. How do you know that? Because we said that there's a Mount Zion and a city in Jerusalem. But this one says that the whore lives on the negative part of the spirit realm. Let me say it this way. Even in the spirit realm, there's a good neighborhood and a bad neighborhood. Even in the spirit realm, if I was in Star Wars, it would say there's a dark side to the force. Okay? I was carried in the spirit realm, and I saw something in the wilderness. Jesus was carried in the spirit realm by the devil. Do you think he saw heaven? No, he had to see the dark side of the force, but it had to be attractive or there wouldn't have been a temptation. That's why the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is a tree that makes you want to eat it because of the good in it, but there's still some death in it. And if there wasn't something like that, that attracted you, it wouldn't be a temptation. And we're going to read a few verses here where it says, come out of her, my people. So us understanding this and understanding what it's telling us is important to us so that we will not get caught up in the judgments of the world. All right. Verse 3 again. So he carried me away in the spirit. Not into a organized place, but into the bad neighborhood of the spirit realm, into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy. Not, not the names of God, not Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sid Cano, names of blasphemy, talking bad about the good. Because that's what blaspheming is, right? Having seven heads and ten horns, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Stop right there for a second. Stop, stop, stop. So she's got a cup that she's pouring out to the world of things that God calls filthy abominations and fornications. All right? All right. That's why I tell you, listen, everything that's that's good to you may not be good for you, okay? So we, we just have to be careful. Your pastor isn't a pastor that preaches a bunch of do's and don'ts, you know, because then we start making up a bunch of rules. But listen, if I get you... St- Remember when I told you the story when I was teaching on dynamics of destiny relationships that I preached about the strange woman enough that when a strange woman came up on me, it came up out of me. That's her. Run. Do not walk the opposite direction. If you understand what the word calls Babylon, I'm not going to have to be no rule for you, baby. That thing will come up on the inside and then you're going to have to make a decision. Right? Verse 5 and on her forehead a name was written Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Notice that it's a mystery. Mystery. Now we see a mystery of righteousness. Because marriage is supposed to show you the great mystery of Christ's love for the church. There's, there's also a dark side of mystery. Pastor David, why is it a mystery? Because Satan is trapping people and they don't know they're trapped. Broad is the way to lead to destruction. And when people begin to realize it, they're going to try to turn around and they won't be able to escape. Verse 6, I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. So this city system is behind a man. I know it's controversial, but a Caucasian man comes into a church with nine people, having a Bible study like the one you're in right now. And they reached out to him and loved him, and he killed them. And, and the historical, the, the news report said when they found him and arrested him, they took him by Burger King before they took him to jail. Now, somebody looking like you can be walking down the street or in your own home, and somebody come in and they shoot you in your own home, and then they will plant drugs on them. But this dude, need a bur- he need a whopper. He need to have it his way. After he killed nine people looking like you and me in church serving God. That's Babylonian. This scripture says, that's Babylonian. Satan gets drunk on stuff like that. All right, I feel some kind of way about that. I saw, her, and it says, "When I saw her, I was I marvelled with great amazement." But the angel said to me, "Why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was, and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition." All right. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. All right? Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. These There are also seven kings. Five are fallen. One is and, and another has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. Perdition means destruction. Ultimately, Satan's plan and all the people that he uses, he's going to use up like he used the serpent in the book of Revelation, in the book of Genesis. He uses them, uses them up, discards them, and finds somebody else. Okay? God cares about the people, you know, who give themselves to him. Satan could care less. They're just puppets, tools to get his work done. Ultimately, they get destroyed. All right? Um, Verse 12, the ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. They are of one mind. They will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the Lamb, that's talking about Jesus, and the Lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings, and those who are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. That's me. That was a good place for you to say, that's me too, Pastor. Okay, all right, I'm just saying, you, you on the winning side. Yeah, 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 I can hear Timothy Wright saying, who's on the Lord's side? Okay, that's me, I'm, I'm just saying. Now, look at verse 15. Then he said, the waters you saw where the harlot sits are people's multitudes, nations, and tongues. Stop, 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 stop. So this system, this spiritual system, is the puppet master behind geopolitical events. Isn't that what that says? The system that the whore, that's a mystery. It's the puppet master behind people's nations, tongues, right? Multitudes. So that's why the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not trying to. <laughs> I always have to decide if I'm going to say it the way I, I hear it. <laughs> Don't hate the player, hate the game, okay? We get mad at the people, and the mystery is we're not wrestling against the people, but behind the spirits that's behind the people, okay? So we have to understand, you know, it's it's not the people that don't believe that black lives matter. It's not the people. That's a spiritual force. Okay? And just because they hate me don't mean I get the right to hate them. I can't hate the player. I hate the game. I see that there's a spiritual city system called Mystery Babylon that is controlling them, even if they don't recognize it. All right? what verse of my own 16 and the 10 horns which you saw on the beast these will hate the harlot make her desolate and naked eat her flesh and burn her with fire wait 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 why would the beast and those that working with him why must they hate themselves because satan has satan is self-destructive right his mindset is still a mindset of destruction Have you ever um, seen guys that's going down, and then they try to take everybody they can with them? Okay, that's what it's talking about. Verse 17, for God has put into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind, to give their kingdom to the beast, until the words of God are fulfilled and the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. That's not a natural city. It is a spiritual city. He saw it in the spirit in a wilderness, right? There's not one city. It's not Washington, D.C. Stop that. Okay? Stop that. It's Rome. It's this. It's that. It's pe- people come up. They, they. That's that speculation stuff. The scripture clearly tells us that it's a spirit. This is a spiritual issue. Spiritual issue, isn't that what it says? Okay. Now let's look at verse uh, chapter 18. We'll get down through here, and I probably will stop after going through chapter 18. It's a lot in here, but are you getting blessed by this? All right. It says, after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory and he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon, the greatest fallen is fallen and has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of her, of the wrath of her fornication. The Kings have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, all right, now this is talking to us. Come out of her, my people. Uh Uh-oh. Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Woo. Woo. Now, there are things that I read that concern me. That's one of them. I want to make sure by the time we get through this series, I have a clear profile, a clear prophetic insight to what the Bible calls Babylon so that I can come out from her. Because if I stay with her, even though I'm his people, what this scripture leads me to believe is if I stay with her, I can get her punishment. Right? you know, you could just be with somebody who committed a crime. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, the system's good at locking us up for just being at the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong person. And this scripture says you need to, as his people, come out of her. God, please give us revelation on what Mystery Babylon is so that we can come out. We need him to give us revelation because it's a mystery. We need him to show us what things in this system he doesn't like so that we can be on the outside of that. Verse 5, for her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you. Repay her devil according to her, her works. In the cups which she has mixed, mix devil for her. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxury, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen and am no widow. I will not see sorrow. Therefore, her plagues will come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judges her. The kings of the earth who committed fornication and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that great that mighty city, for in one hour your judgment has come. Now remember, this is talking about. Remember um, how strong Egypt was in Pharaoh's day when Moses and Pharaoh did their thing. It seemed like Egypt was invincible till them ten plagues came. Then they were like, our country is destroyed. They told Pharaoh, don't you know our country has been destroyed? Why don't you leave this dude alone? Right? So what what does it tell you? That as we go through the progression of what happens in the book of Revelation, Satan's system, that, that world system that everybody just loves and wants to be and thinks is everything, it's going to be destroyed. We just want to be on the outside of that when that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just, <laughs> remember, God asked um, Moses, asked the children of Israel, when Achan bucked up against him, who's, who's on the Lord's side? And the people… He said, y'all need to come away from them, and the people were moving slow, and then the earth started opening up and swallowing them. Then the people started running away. I'm just saying we need to run away before the judgment starts. Somebody say amen if you got that. All right. What verse am I on? 11. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn for her, for no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls, fine linen and purple, silk and scarlet, every kind of citron wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron and marble, cinnamon and incense, fragrant oil and frankincense wine and oil, Find flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and bodies and souls of men. Talking about human trafficking, talking about the things that pull people in to where people sell souls, their souls to the devil. People sell their souls to the world system. It's a system of commerce and trading, Right? That's, why, that's what was significant when, when um, Abraham tithed to Melchizedek but wouldn't get in a financial deal with the king of Sodom because Satan tries to pull us into the world's financial system. Some things you can't do to make money. I was out witnessing to one of my elementary classmates and um here in the city of Flint and um he was explaining to me that because of his background these companies would hire him 89 days and then fire him so that they wouldn't have to pay him benefits. Man, that's that 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 sucks, doesn't it? That's a tough one. And he said to me, David, I sell drugs because this is the only way I know to make money for my family. I didn't know what to say, so I turned inward to hear what the Holy Ghost had to say. What he said, what the Holy Ghost said, this didn't come from me because I didn't even have my mind enough to say it. He said, he told me to tell him, God is not going to bless you to make a living selling death. Lord, (laughs) God is not going to bless you to make a living selling death. Now, you can make a living selling death, but that's not coming from the new Jerusalem. That has to be coming from Babylon. Do you see it? Okay, so I have to be careful. What am I doing? Like, there are certain companies I'm not going to work for. Now, everybody needs transportation. Now, you can use the car that I make to take you to church or to a drug house. That's on you, right? You, You could transport people to the hospital, or you could smuggle slaves with it. All right. On the other hand, I'm not getting in the liquor business. I'm not I'm not working at a casino. There are certain things I won't do. Now, Pastor David, why is that important? (laughs) We 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 had it on very reliable authority that there are people that have pastors that have marijuana grow houses to support their churches. All right. Okay. All right. Mm. God's not going to bless you to make a living selling death. That's Babylonian. Come out of her, my people, so that you don't partake of her plagues. Verse 14, that's where I'm at, right? The fruit that you're so long for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, And saying, alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour, such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster who travels by ship, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what is like this great city? They threw dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, and saying, alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she is made desolate. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. So this is the spirit that's behind the folks that want to kill preachers. Verse 21, then a mighty angel took a great a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea saying thus with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found anymore. The sound of harpists, muses, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. Stop, 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 stop. There is Babylonian music. I know everybody think all music is all the same. It's not. When Nebuchadnezzar set up the image. He had the sound of music before they bowed down. So I know you think it's okay. That's why your pastor, listen, 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 listen. There's certain music we will not have in the church. Don't be mad. I'm trying to keep, I'm trying to keep Babylon from you. What you do in your own house and your business. Okay, but I'm responsible. There are certain things, there's a certain music that has a sound of Babylon in it, all right? No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you anymore, and the sound of millstones shall not be heard in you anymore. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you, and the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall not be heard in you. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery, 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 witchcraft, sorcery, all nations were deceived and in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth. The spirit of murder, particularly murder of Christians, that same Babylonian spirit was in Cain when Cain killed Abel, when the prophets were stoned, when children are enslaved or murdered or aborted, When you watch on TV and a cop has a man running and shoots him and kills him in the back for all of us to see, that's Babylonian, okay? You can't be any plainer than that. We are going to come out from this system. God's going to show us how to save ourselves from the judgments of the world. Did you get blessed today?